So some of you are probably wondering, why are you wearing that hideous shirt? And it's because today is um, ugly sweater weekend, ugly Christmas sweater, sweater weekend at Emmanuel. So if you're watching online right now, uh, that's what's going on. And uh, there is some ugliness going on all across of our campuses today. Some hideous sweaters. So very uh, thankful for that. And uh, we will, I guess, figure out who the winner is. There was some ugly stuff this morning at 9 o'clock last night as well. And so, um, yeah, thank you for participating. If you didn't participate, where is your spirit? Where's your festive holiday spirit? Some, uh, some, shrewd, some shrewds out there. Shrewd, no, Scrooges. There we go. There we go. All right, we'll get that right. So welcome to Emmanuel. My name is Danny, and we're in a series right now called God With Us. And uh, before we get started into our Today, our talk today, I want to share a little story from my childhood, and it's not a story that I often tell because it's not a very good story, but, uh, but here's how it rolls out. So I'm about 11 years old or so, 11 and a half years old. My family was a baseball family. We played baseball on the weekends all the time. Two older brothers played baseball. And uh, so one particular Saturday, we had a game, Little League game, and we went back to a friend's house uh, for a pool party and some pizza or whatever. And... And we're, you know, you know, I got there late, last one to the party, and when I pull up, the door opens, a couple of my teammates come up to the, to the car and they say, hey, you know, there's this kid across the street that's, you know, picking a fight and he's saying this and that and he wants to, he wants to uh, fight. So I'm like, oh, great. You know, I thought this was going to be pizza and pool party time, but um, now, there's, now there's potentially going to be, a, you know, a boy, you know, a boy's fight. And, and when you're 11 years old or so, 12 years old, you have to have this edge on you. Like, you can't appear to be, like, scared. You have to be like, like who, like, where is he? You know? And so I, I, I was, like, in that mode, but I didn't want to be in that mode, so I had to be in that mode, because when you're 11 and you're almost six feet tall, you get picked to fight. That's just how it works. Um, they don't pick the short kids. I mean, so it's like, oh, wait till Danny gets here. He'll fight him. So I go up to this kid and like, and I'm like, oh, what's going on? What are you saying to my, you know, my teammates here? And, and so he just, he was the, 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 the neighborhood bully or whatever. So he just started looking at me like, we're going to fight. It's like, okay, here we go, I guess. And so I figured I'd throw the first punch. And uh, when I threw the first punch, he, he bent down like this and I connected with the top of his skull. Uh, which wasn't a pleasant feeling. And uh, he continued to keep his head down, so I continued to punch him in the top of his head because what else was I going to do? And then he ended up tackling me because I was six feet tall and super skinny. I think I weighed maybe 120 pounds. So I'm on the ground. He starts to get, get the better of me, punches me a couple times in the face, and I kind of get disoriented. He steps up, and then he proceeds to kick me in the face, which was... If you've ever gotten into a fight, that's not a good thing. And my friends realized this fight's over. Let's help Danny out. So they jump in and they break the fight up. And uh, I walk into the house, a uh, little bloodied up with a sneaker mark on the side of my face, which was very humbling because um, I was going to be the kid that showed up to win the fight and I lost. And so I get inside and we're like, oh, what happened? And I, you know, was kid, whatever, we lost the fight. And so the next day, um, I uh, have this conversation. What I remember was with my dad. It could have been with my brother. I'm not sure. But uh, it was like, I think it was with my dad. He said, you know, so what would you learn from that? And I thought he was going to say something like, you know, maybe next time go get a parent. You know, isn't that what adults say to kids? Like, don't fight or, you know, and whatever. Instead, what he said was, uh, next time you punch him in the nose. And it's like... <laughs> 
Because what had happened was when I connected with him on the top of his head, I broke my fist right here. And uh, these bones right here in my hand actually fractured. I, have to, I had to wear a cast for six weeks and I couldn't play baseball. So uh, what's the lesson in that? Punch them in the nose. Welcome to Emmanuel. <laughs> Where you get insight for living, right? You get wisdom for living in your life. No, honestly, why do I, why do I share that story with you uh, about 11-year-old fight that I lost? Is because he, here's the thing. Like, life is filled with, with fights. And sometimes you lose and sometimes you end up getting kicked in the face. That really is how life is sometimes. And we're in a series right now called God With Us. And that we've been talking about how the Christmas story is really this story about how God has come in the form of a baby, born of a virgin, in a little, this little manger with animals everywhere. And, and uh, the reason that this baby comes in the world is so that he can grow up to become a 33-year-old man and eventually die on a cross and three days later rise again so that we can have life with God. In fact, Matthew records it like this, quoting Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. If you've ever wondered where we've gotten our name as a church, this, this is it right here which means God with us. I think that's a good name for a church, to ask God to be with us as we try to help people come to Christ and grow in Christ. That's the Christmas story. Like, why did Jesus come into this world at all? He came, yes, to redeem us, yes, to forgive us of our sins, yes, to take us to heaven when we die. Absolutely, all of that is true. But he wants to be with us right now in our lives as we go through the grind of parenting and, and, and work and raising children and, and doing our marriages and all these different things. God wants to be with us. A couple weeks ago, we talked about with us in the valley, because sometimes life is, there's valleys in life. Last week, we talked about the wilderness. Sometimes there's an extended period of time where we feel like we're lost and there's no way out. And God is taking us on a journey of self-discovery, and he's helping us to live by faith in the wilderness, and he's even correcting us in the wilderness. Today, I want to talk to you guys about how God is with us in the fights that we go through. God is with you in the fight. A couple years ago, I heard this quote from Egyptian, an Egyptian philosopher, Philo. He said this, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. I believe that's true. I believe if I had some time with every single one of you at Starbucks and just go one-on-one, I would discover some fight that you're going through. Not a physical fight. Maybe. Most likely it's a fight against a job that you hate it's a fight, maybe, maybe depression is a battle that you fight. Maybe loneliness is something that you fight. Maybe, it's, it's, maybe you're fighting to improve your marriage. You have one, but it's not a good one. Maybe you're fighting to keep your marriage together. Maybe you're fighting for a child who's, who's gone wayward. Maybe you're fighting a disease. You have some sort of cancer or some sort of, and, and every day is a fight. I bet if I sat down with you just one-on-one, it would not take long before you revealed to me some fight that you have on a daily basis. And then you'd probably at some point say, man, and you know what? Here, here's what else is true. I'm tired. I'm tired of the fight. I can't. I'm exhausted. There's a passage in Psalm 69. David writes this. He says, save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. You ever feel that way? Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold, he says. I'm in deep water and the floods overwhelm me. Verse 3. I'm exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen. 
with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. I mean, it's life. The, the characters in the Bible, people, I mean, we all have fights that, that are exhausting. I remember as a little kid, I used to watch from time to time boxing with my grandfather. My grandfather would love to watch boxing. And, and I remember watching, you know, the first couple of rounds, the guys would come out and they're hopping and they're dancing and they're jabbing and they're hooking and they're all excited. And then by round four, they're doing this. <laughs> I'm like, Grandpa, what are they doing? They're, why are they hugging each other? <laughs> you ever see boxers hug each other? The reason they hug each other is because they are exhausted. The average boxer loses 10 pounds in one fight from sweat. It's insanity. Complete, utter exhaustion. And, and sometimes in life, that happens to us. We're fighting and we're fighting and we're just out of resources and we're exhausted and we're tired. Have you ever gotten to the point in your life, and I'm sure you have, where you've thought, why does it have to be so hard? Like, why, why is there always a fight? If it's not this, it's that. Once I get this resolved, I can, now I got this issue to, to fight against. And I know last week we talked about in the wilderness that God orchestrates the wilderness and even leads us into the wilderness. And I know that sometimes it's God is the one who is, who is allowing the difficulties. But there's another... There's another reason why life is so difficult, and, and that's because we, it's opposed. Your life, my life, is, is opposed. There's another character at play here, an adversary, Peter would call him. You ever, you ever think about how the, great, the greatest movies, the movies that we love the most, the movies that we engage in, there's always an adversary. There's always a, an evil villain. Remember, you know, in even the Rockies, I love the Rockies. Rocky IV is my favorite. You know, there's always this, you know, he's, he's just this guy you want to you you defeat and, and he's cheating and he's shooting steroids into his arms and he's just, every movie's got this villain. You know, if you're a Star Wars fan, any Star Wars fans out there? I mean, no, I know there's different villains, but obviously the big one is Darth. There's always this guy that's opposing the good forces. You know, the good people from moving forward. Any Little Mermaid fans out there? Remember Ursula? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, there's a, I, mean, I mean, why even put her in there? You know, it's because every great story has an opponent that is opposing the goodness from, from taking place. And if any Batman fans out there, of course, there's the Joker. I mean, you go through every, you go through Superman, you go through Lion King, remember Scar? There's always this one character that's just evil. Where do these writers get these stories? These scripts, where do these scripts come from? These scripts come from reality. Your story has an adversary. Your life is opposed. Peter writes it like this. Be sober, minded, be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to hang out with and chill. Is that what it says? <laughs> no, he's looking for someone to tear limb from limb. The other day I was watching uh, the National Geographic show with my son. And uh, it was all about the lions and how they were chasing the, the wildebeests and the, you know, these poor little uh, gazelle. And, you know, as a little kid, I remember watching it with my dad, the nature shows with Marty Stauffer. Anybody remember that? <laughs> Wow, I just dated myself. Um, and, and the lion, I used to love to watch the lions catch an antelope and tear it apart. I'm like, oh, and now I can't watch it. I can't do it. <laughs> Something inside of me is like, change the channel, run away, quick, quick, go. You know, my son's like, no, dad, why are you changing the channel? I want to watch it. But it's just too gruesome for me. 
Just watching a, watching a lion or four lions tear apart a wildebeest. This is what, the, this is what the, the enemy wants to do to our lives. He wants to tear us limb for limb, limb from limb. I remember a couple years ago when I picked up Mere Christianity. It's probably one of my favorite books. I talk about it often. C.S. Lewis has such a way with words. Listen to what he says here. One of the things that surprised me when I first read the New Testament, seriously, was that it talks so much about a dark power in the universe, a mighty evil spirit who was held to be the power behind disease, death, and sin. Then he says this, enemy-occupied territory. That's what this world is. Enemy-occupied territory. And Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed as a baby in a manger, landed in disguise, and is now calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. (laughs) Enemy-occupied territory. Like, you and I have to understand that the context of our days is warfare. Your life is opposed by a powerful, dark adversary. Paul said it this way in a letter to the Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, we don't wrestle against our neighbors, our co-workers, and our spouses. No, we don't do that. We don't wrestle against our friends and family members and our children. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, although sometimes it feels that way. Anybody? (laughs) And I'm not saying that people can't be used by the enemy. But our, our, our battle, our fight is not against people, but rather it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. It's like Paul is describing the, the, the dark side like, like a, 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 we would describe our government. Like there's the president and there's governors and there's mayors and there's city council people and all that other stuff. Like in the spiritual realm, the devil is sort of like the, the one, the, the president, and then there's underneath him, there's levels of demonic forces set against you to steal, kill, and destroy is the way Jesus put it. To devour your life. What? Your marriage, your character, your reputation, your physical health. He wants it all, and he plays for keeps. You say, man, you're really discouraging me today. I wanted to come to church and be encouraged today. I know that. I understand that. But I have to first help you understand the context of your days. There's so many of us walking around as if the devil is not real. Or maybe we think that he's this little red character with horns on his head with a pitchfork, you know, and he's causing a little bit of pain. No, he's an enemy with a, with a whole realm of spiritual darkness underneath him, spiritual powers underneath him, and he's set against you. And that is why life seems to be difficult many times. But that's not the end of the story. You see, the one person, one person who was very close to Jesus, his name was John. He wrote this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. The one who is in you is, say it with me, greater, a little bit better, is greater than the one who is in the world. See, the one who is in us, John would take it a step further. He's not just with you. He's inside of you. As a believer, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. He is greater. We just got done singing this. Jesus is greater. There's dark darkness is no more. He's greater than the one who is in the world. See, the good news of, the Christmas, of Christmas is simply this today. I wrote it like this in your notes. The Lord is with you and he will fight for you. He's greater. And he wants to take up your battles and he wants to fight with you and for you. It's a great story in the Old Testament. You guys know I've been using the Israelites as an example through this whole series. And they spent 400 years in slavery in Egypt. 
Then God, through Moses, delivered them from Egypt. Then they spent 40 years in the wilderness. They shouldn't have, but they did because of a lack of faith. And then after the 40 years in the, in, in the wilderness, they proceeded to go into the promised land, but they couldn't just go in because it was already occupied by people, so they had to fight city by city by city to take the promised land. Well, as they were getting ready to go into the promised land, I mentioned this last week, coming out of the wilderness, Moses writes this book called Deuteronomy, and it's a, it's a series of sermons that, that he gives, and he's giving them instructions and reminders, do this, don't do this, remember this. In Deuteronomy chapter 20, Moses says this. He says, when you guys are getting ready to go fight a battle and take a city, the priests are going to come to you, and here's what they're going to say. Do not be faint-hearted, do not be afraid or panic, or tremble before them. And here's why. For the Lord your God is the one who goes, say it with me, with you. But not only that, he's not only going to be with you as you go into the fight, he's also going to do something else. To what? To fight for you against your enemies to give you victory to save you. God is with you and he's not just with you, he will also fight the battle for you. And they had to remember what this meant because they they lived it out when they walked through the dry ground uh, as as, as they were chasing or they're running away from the Egyptians, right? The Egyptians followed the Israelites through the Red Sea and all of a sudden as the the Egyptians were going through the, the dry ground, the wheels of their chariots started to come off and God caused confusion in the, in the Egyptian army. This is what they said to themselves in Exodus chapter 14 as they were trying to chase after the Israelites. Listen, Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites. The Lord is, say it with me, is fighting for them against Egypt. See, this is in the past. The Israelites knew that God was a God who would fight for them and do supernatural things to help save them and and deliver them from their enemies. So in Exodus chapter 15, after the water collapses upon the Egyptians and they all drown, Moses writes a song about this. Exodus 14, they're delivered. They get through on safe, on safe ground. The water closes. The Egyptians drown. Listen to this. In Exodus chapter 14, ch- uh, sorry, Exodus chapter 15, this is what Moses says. I've got to read it to you. Verse 1, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. Then verse 3, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. I don't know about you, but that gets pretty, I get, I get excited about that. See, I know God is comforter. I know God is savior. I know God is strength. I know God is mercy giver. The children of Israel knew God is forgiver. And now after seeing the water collapse and all the Egyptian, all Pharaoh's army drowns, they go, whoa, we're dealing with a God who is a warrior. Think about that. And he's with you. People say, well, that's the God of the Old Testament. Oh, he was different back then. Really? Last I checked in the New Testament, Jesus said this. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So the baby ends up coming into the world, this little baby Jesus. And and I'm here to tell you today, that was a baby warrior. (laughs) 
I bet, you, I bet you've never heard that in a Christmas sermon before. The baby was a baby warrior. You know, think of the baby, think of the, maybe he had blue paint on his face like William Wallace when he came out of the womb, you know. <laughs> That'll change the manger scene, right? Next year when you set up the manger scene. What's in the, oh, he's got p- blue paint on his face. <laughs> oh, that's the baby Jesus. He's a warrior. That's what Christmas is all about. He comes into this world to be with us. What? So that he can be with us in the valley, yes, in the wilderness, yes, but also in the fights that we go through every single day. Look, if he's not with us in, in, if he's not with us in the fight, our faith is worthless. It's pointless. But he is. And that gives us hope and that gives us strength to continue on and put one foot in front of the other, whether our battle is against depression, whether our battle is, 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 is our marriage, or maybe it's just a feelings of worthlessness, or maybe your battle is for a kid, you're one of the kids in your home, or you're, you're fighting for them. He's there fighting for you. Now, that's exciting information. I think, that's, I think we could end the sermon right there, but we can't. Because it's not automatic. God is not going to fight for you just because you have faith in him and you some, you know, some sort of Christian faith you have. He's, he's not going to automatically fight for you. There's something that we have to bring to the table. Two things, actually. The first one is this. You have to remember your cause. If you, want, if you want God to fight for you, you have to remember your cause. You have to remember why are you fighting. What's the reason? You have to have lots of reasons why you would continue the fight against depression or continue the fight against addiction or continue the fight to keep your marriage together or whatever. You have to have reasons, powerful reasons. Whenever I see somebody that smoked for 15, 20 years and all of a sudden they stop, I always, I always call a timeout. It's like, yeah, well, we got to figure that out. Because you've been smoking a couple packs a day for 20 years. Something had to have shifted in your thinking. And every time I ask somebody that, I get, I get it. I, it. It doesn't even take them any time. Well, what happened was I realized that if I kept smoking, that I wouldn't see my grandkids uh, grow up. I wouldn't see them get married. I wouldn't see my kids, you know, go off to college. I would, there's some cause that rises to the surface. And I go, oh, that makes complete sense. You've always wanted to quit smoking, right? And that was the fight you had, but you didn't have a cause. You didn't have a reason powerful enough to, to put the cigarettes down or put, to put the alcohol down or to put the, the pornography down. You didn't have a cause in your heart, burning hot. And that's why you didn't have victory. It reminds me of the story in, in, uh, in Nehemiah, when Nehemiah is, is rebuilding the walls with Jerusalem because he wanted to restore the glory of God's name. He wanted to restore the identity of the nation of Israel. And so he has got all the people of Israel built, building this wall around Jerusalem, rebuilding the wall. And they're about halfway done in Nehemiah chapter 4, and they're looking around, and all the people of Israel are exhausted, and they're thinking, oh my gosh, we're only halfway done, and there's still so much work to do, and there's rubble everywhere. On top of that, the enemies of Israel are coming in, and they're saying, we're going to kill you, we're going to crush you. And Nehemiah starts to see that everybody wants to give up. They're losing their passion. They're losing their energy. So he calls a timeout, and he gets a little huddled together in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. Listen to what he says. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people, and I said to them, do not be afraid of the enemy. Watch this. Remember the Lord, who is great and glorious. In other words, remember he, this is his city. He is with us in this work. We're not alone. Remember that God is with us, and here's what I want you to do. Fight for your brothers. 
Fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your wives, fight for your homes. Translation, if you guys don't keep building, we won't have a life. You won't have a family. You won't have a city. You won't have an identity. Everything will be wiped away. You'll have nothing. What is he doing? He was bringing them back to their what? To their cause. And the people were like, yeah. They picked up their stuff. They kept building the the wall. And in 52 days, they finished the wall. It, re- it reminds me of, a, uh, of the great scene in Braveheart. Anybody seen Braveheart? It's, it's a little bit of Mel Gibson movie. It's one of my favorites. Towards the end of the movie, you know, the, the English, they want to enslave the Scots. And, and, and so the Scottish people are fighting for freedom. And the Scottish army is, is, is lined up in battle formation against the English. And, and they're so afraid because the English outnumber them and outpower them. And here comes William Wallace marching onto the field on his horse with blue paint on his face. And, and, and he starts this little speech. And he says to them, you've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. Will you fight for freedom, he says. He's, and, the, and everybody says, no, not against them. We will run and we will live. Wallace says, I fight, you may die. Run and you'll live. And dying in your beds many years from now. Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that to come back here and have one chance, just one chance to tell our enemies that they can take our lives, but they can never take our freedom? Right? Have you seen it? You know, and, 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 and the first time I saw that movie, I was like looking for my sword. I wanted, like, I wanted to paint my face. I wanted to grow my hair. I wanted to, I don't even know. You know, it's like I was so inspired. And all he did, and if you saw the rest of the movie, you know that, you know, they go out and they fight the English and they win. And, it's, and this, is, this is what's required of us. We have to know our cause. And what cause did Wallace take them back to? Freedom. Freedom. I want Freedom. Freedom from addiction, freedom from anything in my life. That's why I fight. You have to know your cause. Why are you fighting for that marriage? Why are you fighting for freedom from addiction? Why are you fighting to get get rid of that anxiety and that fear that tends to choke you on on a regular basis when stress comes into your life? What's your cause? And then number two, you have to do your part and trust God to do his. Like he's not gonna do all the heavy lifting, folks. He's not. There's a balance here. God's gonna fight for you, yes, but he's not gonna do everything for you. There's a great story in the Old Testament about one particular city that the Israelites had to take as they moved into the promised land. It's the story of Jericho. And Jericho had fortified walls around it and it was not an easy city to take. And so there's a lot of fear setting in. And so God says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the city, but we're going to partner up on it. Here's what, I'm, here's what I want you to do. You and your fighting men should march around the city, march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast of the ram's horn, here's what's going to happen. Have all the priests, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then... And only then will I show up and do the miraculous. The walls are going to fall down. The walls are going to collapse. And the people 
can charge straight into the town. Do you see the balance there? God says, I want you to walk around, march around, six days, once a day, six for six days, seventh day, seven times, blow that horn. At, at the right time, I want you to shout, and then I will show up, and I will do what only I can do, bring those walls down, and then you will march in and fight. I will not fight for you. And there's always this balancing act between what we are called to do and what God is going to do. I meet people, students that want straight A's, but they're unwilling to study. That's not how it works. Here's how it works. You study your butt off. You, you write the papers. You take the notes. You go to your classes. Then you pray for God to help you. Remember everything you studied, okay? That's how it works, students, okay? It's not, God's not going to do everything for you. Come on, right? I know people, they want their marriage to come back together, but they're unwilling to forgive. They're unwilling to change their own character defects. They're, they just want their spouse to change and God to fix it all. That's not how it works, I know people that want to be free from an alcohol addiction or, or a prescription pill addiction or, or pornography addiction or something like that. And they're praying for God to deliver them from this addiction, but they're unwilling to go to the AA meetings and get the counselors and the accountability and the, to do the 12 steps. That's not how it works. God is always going to say to you, march, shout, blow, go in, and I will show up and do my part. You have to trust God to do his part and do your part. I know people, they want a job that they love that matches their skill set and they hate the job that they're in, but they're unwilling to put their resume together in such a way that would be, you know, attractive and send it out to 25 different companies or take a class that would make them more marketable or, or do the networking and connecting. They're just praying for a job. That's not how it works, guys. You got to get out there and do your part and then trust God to do his part. There's always a balance. I know people that want to be free from anxiety and fear and worry. And they're praying that God would deliver them from those things, but they're unwilling to reduce and simplify their schedule. Hello? They're unwilling to see the counselor. They're unwilling to create this, this consistent devotional time with God where they're connecting with him and trusting with him and laying their requests at his feet so that the peace of God can come into their heart. That's not how it works. It's always a give, it's always a both end. I know people, they want to have a different financial situation and they'd love to have a little bit le less peace and a lot more, a little bit less stress and a lot more peace financially, but they're unwilling to get on a budget. And then when they create a budget, they're unwilling to stick to the budget, anybody? <laughs> they're unwilling to chop up the credit cards. They're unwilling to be content with less. And so they continue to have financial problems, but they're praying, they're praying that God will somehow bless them. Listen, that's not how it works. There's always a balance in the fight where God, I'm, here's what I'm going to do and here's what you're going to do. I remember years ago, this church was struggling big time, 2006. Maybe you were here, maybe you weren't. I took over for the founding pastor, Pastor Jim Devaney. We went through this massive transition. It did not go well. We had to let seven staff members go because we couldn't pay them. We were trying to survive. I was doing everything I could. The staff was doing everything that they could. You've heard this story before, but you haven't heard this part. In one of the lowest moments where I thought, oh my gosh, we may not make it as a church. We may all, we actually had this conversation. We may all have to get part-time jobs. That's fine. Mine would be at Starbucks. <laughs> one Sunday morning when, when we had nothing left, when we were totally exhausted, somebody comes down front, never met him before. Didn't recognize him at all. He comes up to me and says, I've recognized the struggle here and, and I want to help out. And I want to, here's a blank check. I want you to put in a number to help the church get through this difficult time. And I was like, in my mind, I thought, you're smoking crack. I don't know who you are. 
So I didn't receive it. I said, I'm not going to take that. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if this is a joke. And he's, I said, but here's what I will do. If you're serious, let's meet tomorrow. And we'll we meet in my office and we'll talk, talk this through. I mean, I mean, what do you say to that, right? So sure enough, I talked to my staff that day. I said, hey, I had this crazy guy came down and offered me a blank check. Uh, so I set up a meeting and they said, well, tell him this number. And I'm like, okay, that's a number. That's a good number. If it's real, then we'll give him that number. And so sure enough, I have the meeting next day and, and I get to know this guy and find out it's legitimate or whatever. And, and so I said, well, let's circle back to that check. Were you serious about that? And he said, I, he, he said hey, I said, here's a blank check. So I took the check and I said, well, I actually thought of a number and I filled in the number and, and he said, write it in. So I wrote the check, you know, in there and, um, and we cashed it. And sure enough, uh, the, that chunk of cash helped our church make it through that that difficult time, right? The only regret that I have in that story um, to this day is not adding a few more zeros to that number. <laughs> Here's the point of that story. Here's the, listen, we were doing everything we can do. We we're marching, we're circling, we're blowing horns, we're shouting, we're crying out, we're sending emails, we're doing sermons, we're doing, we're doing children, we're, we're doing everything that we could. And we're like, God, we're not gonna make it. Blank check. Unbelievable. That has never happened in the history of our church. And to the best of my knowledge, probably won't happen in the future unless someone has uh, a very generous moment in the future. <laughs> it's unbelievable to me. That's unbelievable to me. How that particular, at that particular moment in time, God showed himself faithful through this person I had never met before. And it just showed me. It showed me that God... If I'm faithful doing my part, God will be faithful to do his part. The walls will come down. He won't do everything for us, but he will do the heavy lifting. He will fight for you. God is with you and he will fight. Two questions as we close out. Number one, what cause are you fighting for? Notice I didn't say what fight are you going through? Because we all have one. And I'm assuming you have one. And it really doesn't matter what it is. I mean, it does but what matters more is what's the cause? Why? Why are you fighting? If you don't know what that is, don't expect God to show up and be all about your, call, all about your fight if you're not even like, Argh! I want to fight for my family, my home, my health, my, my marriage, my peace. I want to fight for God. I want to fight for his glory to advance his kingdom. Like, don't expect him to show up if you're not passionate. What is the cause that you're fighting for? And then number two, what is your next step? What's your part? What's your marching look like? What, like what, 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 is, what is your next step going to be? For some of you, it's going to be attending AA meetings. For some of you, it's going to be getting the counselor. For some of you, it's going to be getting on a budget. For some of you, it's going to be getting the accountability partner. What is the next step that God wants you to take? He will not do everything for you. You do your part and you trust him to do his. I want to close out today by simply repeating the good news and it's so it's so awesome Jesus said one time he said here's the good news turn and repent from living in your own kingdom and step into the kingdom of God the kingdom if God is at hand you can have it you can step into it what does that mean you can live with God right now the good news of the gospel is that right now you can have God with you and life is so much better with him than without him what does that look like it looks like strength and peace and joy and love and the ability to forgive and the ability to overcome temptation and the ability to overcome stress 
and live without fear and to live without anger or lust. It's abundant living, it's life with God. This little baby, this little baby warrior (laughs) would grow up and die on a cross and three days later conquer the cross and conquer sin and death so that you and he can be in fellowship. And yes, that fellowship lasts forever even after death, but it starts right now. Maybe this is your moment where you say to God, Jesus, I trust you. Wash me, be my warrior savior as I put my faith in you. Take these words, make them your own. If this is your moment, you know who you are because God's tugging on your heart. Just express this to him right now. Jesus, I trust you today. I don't have much faith, but I have enough to trust you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me paying the penalty for my sin. Thank you for taking on the form of a a baby and humbling yourself by becoming a man so that we could be together. I receive your grace today. Cleanse me, wash me, and make me your child. And from this day forward, Help me to become aware that you are with me in the valley, in the wilderness, and in the fight. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, the Bible says that when that happens, there's rejoicing in heaven, so there ought to be rejoicing in our church. Come on, nice and loud, guys. Amen. If you prayed to receive Christ, whether online or whatever campus you're at, we wanna put a New Believers Bible in your hand at the starting point tables, whatever campus you're at, you can go back and grab one of these. If you prayed that prayer online, there's a little place there you can fill out, check that box, New Believer, and we will send one of these to you in the mail. One more time, guys, can we give God glory? Amen. He's doing wonderful things. The Lord is with you and he will fight for you. At this time, we're gonna hand things off to our local campus that campuses, they have a special announcement for you. Thanks, boss. Man, I'm so encouraged that we can be reminded that God is with us in our fight. You know, God never intended us uh, to live this life alone. He intended us to to seek after and to have him by our side in those fights. But he also, he also intended us to do that together with other people fighting their own battles and helping us to fight ours. That's why small groups are so important around here at Emmanuel. We are so excited when people come to Christ and when you grow in Christ, you do that best in a circle and not just in a row on the weekend. So small group registration is open right now for our winter semester. At eclife.org, you can find all of the details about how to jump into a group. If you're here at the campus uh, right now, our small groups team is just out and to your right on the way home at the registration desk. They can answer any question that you have. A type of group, a day of the week, a time that works for you. Uh, Childcare is available at the campus a couple days a week. So uh, jump out there, get yourself in a small group. Uh, There's nothing that's more important to help you speed up and to continue to grow closer to Christ in 2019. So that's our encouragement for you this week. Uh, Let's pray and we will head home. Jesus, I wanna say thank you. Thank you for bringing your message through Dana today that encourages us and reminds us and well, that you're there, that you are with us in this fight. 
this week, I ask that you help to put the step we need to take in front of us, the work we need to do so that you can step in and do the miraculous the way that only you can. We love you for a chance to gather in your name, to be challenged in your name. And it's in your name, the name of Jesus that we pray. And we all said, amen. Let's have a great week and get those invitations out for Christmas weekend.